Business School. Hi there, folks. This is Daryl Pereira from IBM, and you're listening to the Business School podcast. In this podcast, we cover the latest and greatest of what's happening in the world of business, things you might not get in a business textbook. And continuing today, excited to say, in a series focused on the business of AI, looking at this from different angles, including skills. But today, really excited to be looking at one particular area when we think about especially generative AI and what's been emerging and where it can have a huge impact. Obviously, the creative space comes up and very close to and often overlapping with the creative space is marketing. So today, to help us understand a little bit about marketing and AI, please be joined by David Berkowitz. So David, if I could just ask you to tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Great to be here. Thanks so much, Daryl. The best way to describe myself is a serial marketer. And that's both the name of the consultancy that I set up, but also I use that for the name of the marketing community I established five years ago, Serial Marketers. And so spent a lot of my career on the agency side, doing corporate marketing and strategy, and then went over to the tech side, working with a lot of marketing and ad tech companies, also in these strategy and marketing roles also a, a habitual community builder. And so along with serial marketers this year, pretty recently I launched the AI Marketers Guild just to bring people together around this uh, very timely topic. So in your mind, like a little bit maybe about marketing and uh, what's the potential, maybe even if you want to show your own you know, journey into this realm and what got you into looking at AI for marketing. Some of it, dates back to my work on the agency side where I fell into this role as the what's next person and someone whose job it was to look at what's coming. And this included a 360i under Dentsu, ultimately trying to figure out what to make sense of social media marketing and then writing the mobile marketing playbook and then figure out all these uh, next pieces from there and doing like a lot of demo days for our clients and running emerging media labs and things like that. So a lot of fun, but also very frustrating because you're often working with the kinds of technologies that don't have widespread adoption yet and that people can't understand why they should be using them. And a lot of what I've done and had the opportunity to do is have a lot of hands-on experience and, and getting to experiment with things, right? Like, so during the, the height of the Web3 craze, I had the CMO coin on a creator coin platform. Uh, as you might suspect, that platform didn't really go anywhere. Uh, and and so kind of wound up being a mess as a lot of things in the crypto and Web3 worlds wound up being. But it was so helpful for me to have this thing that I could actually try to see like, okay, so how does having a currency like this intersect with the community? And as I was trying to figure out some things of, what do I do next with the community? I ultimately made what was a tough, but in hindsight, easier than it seemed decision to spin off the AI Marketers Guild as something separate because there's just too much going on that is so heavily focused on what is that intersection? Like, how do we apply AI specifically, as far as I'm concerned, to these marketing use cases? And can we bring the right people together around that? And ultimately, it was like, 
you know, managing one community is hard enough. Managing two or more is, is almost insanity. But there's a reason for for both to exist, and and I have a lot of fun doing it. Near insanity, that that's fun. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, you talk about the marketing use cases for AI. Would you just you know just just in case the audience is wondering, what what are some of the use cases that you're seeing emerge? The specific ones you could point to. Right now, I mean, the like the crazy thing is that if you're going into a marketing career, it doesn't really matter where you're going, right? Like brand side, agency side, you're doing working at a marketing tech company or another platform, like a major media property, right? Like a Netflix or TikTok or something that where marketing is big use case for it, or you're just working with a local business down the street, then they're probably ways that you can and should be using AI. So a lot of the earliest use cases you see are very focused on content generation. And as someone who's written hundreds of articles, and I actually got into the whole marketing field initially to be a writer and trying to see if there was a career for me that way. And it evolved a few times and a few pivots later and where I am now. But yes, like I, I use it to workshop ideas and, and create drafts of content. And so those things are very near and dear to me. When I'm creating, say, like an event landing page, now I just use an AI-generated image. I used to have a stock photo service that I had a ton of credits for. Now, even using something that's like a little less good and maybe a little more weird, right? Like you, I kind of like it for the work I do when you could tell something's a little bit distorted in some way. Then and then great, but now whether it's a, a mid journey or some up and coming players like Ideagram, let alone what Adobe's doing, like like if you're in the visual arts, there's so much you could do with very high professional standards. But it's not limited to that, right? Like a client I'm working with handed me some data to go through and some raw data from a survey. Well, before I even looked at what the survey said, I popped all of this into both ChatGPT and to uh, Claude by Anthropic, one of the other big ones. And I popped these in and I said, can you help me understand the top takeaways? And then let's say I'm an editor for a major ad trade. Then which of these things are going to be most important for me? Say like, help me write a draft press release about this, right? Like, all of these kinds of things that you could do on the data front. Yeah. I was working on contracts for another group uh, I'm involved with. I am not a lawyer. I don't even play one on podcasts. You do not want to come to me for legal advice, but I could use these, uh, these kinds of tools out there to say like, like what kinds of things should be included in this? Right. So basically whatever your job is, then if it hasn't been directly impacted by AI, it probably can be, and to some extent, it probably should be. Yeah, and, and just to pick on that, should be to take it back to one of the things that you said there. It's interesting that you mentioned for the way you said you, you know you have an event landing page, and where in the past you might use stock photography, now you started leaning on these tools. You know, you make the case to say it's not necessarily that you're looking for high fidelity, like perfection of high fidelity in terms of imagery. But it would be fair to say that part of the thing there might be somewhere around this idea of, you know, even with stock photography over the years that, you know, 
if you were, especially if you work in marketing, you can recognize quite a lot of stock around us. And it does feel overused. There's, you know, do you think that there's places like that where there may be opportunities that people, if someone's sitting there thinking, well, because it doesn't produce perfect imagery, I don't think I should use this. Meanwhile, you go and then you pick a stock image, which, you know, which has been used by thousands of other marketers. Do you think there's something in there that's important to, for people to kind of, you know, to think through even in terms of how these tools fit into, you know, especially into the spectrum of tools we've had in the past? I think a lot of it is knowing what that brand voice is and and what you're trying to convey. And so for me, like even when I've used stock photography, I've gravitated toward some stranger images and maybe not the things that everyone else would use because I'd rather like, if someone's going to know it's stock photography, then they might as well get a kick out of it. And then I lean into humor and at least just this idea that we can have fun with what we do. So like I, I go on and, and riff on some of these ideas now. Now, granted, you can, with like 15 minutes, maybe an hour, you can learn how to create the perfect mid-journey prompt so that you get this photorealism and you're changing the, the focal point and the aperture on the lens. And, oh, you, know, you, you want to change the horizon in the image and all these things that like, I don't know how to do, but I, I know I can like copy some other prompts and then just change, like do... What kind of ethnic background do I want of the subject or something like that? Or what profession do I want represented here? And voila, you know, I, I have this. I think that they're also, I don't think these kinds of images should be used for everything. And I think that there's also, first of all, when you have just more of a higher demand and your audience has higher standards, then you want to make sure that these are the real products and shot the right way and having that human eye that can be trained on not just what you can do, but what you should do, right? Like a real photographer will know if you shoot this product or business from the side versus like from the top of it, like it's going to lead to this kind of effect on like how people's experience is. On top of that, I think we're just going to see this pushback where authenticity matters so people will appreciate that. And we actually started to see this wave of it. And, and I saw this even with some of the clients on the agency side, where when you could start like doing these like made on iPhone type shoots for bigger budget ad campaigns and the kind of thing that, that yes, like the client saving a lot of money because this is shot by like a creative director on the iPhone instead of a whole crew going into a studio or having some whole elaborate rig set up. But there's also this like, let's make it feel like the kind of thing that would be created by a friend of yours at their backyard barbecue and that barbecue sauce or those, you know, where that kind of cheese is used on the cheeseburger and you kind of feel like you're there. So that is something that, yes, like AI keeps getting better at, but authenticity is appreciated and I like to think as a human and a creator that authenticity is hard to fake. And in terms of also, you know, you talked about also things like the legal documentation where it can help you in certain areas. As you said, you're, you know, you've spent a lot of time around writing and that side of marketing. Do you think that can it help us get to a better place? Does it take away some of the, you know, I know um, somebody recently had stated on a webinar that, you know, if you, for instance, if you look at some like financial industry and you took pages from, you know, six or seven different players in that space, 
you know, it's kind of if you put all those website pages next to each other, you probably wouldn't be able to tell who's who. You know, there, there's there's this level that sometimes we think of ourselves as storytellers or creatives and this side of it, but quite often there may be areas in which what we're producing is tends to be have more of a kind of inherent patterns and formulas to it that potentially this work could take away so we could spend more time on trying to get to points of personality and differentiation. Yeah. And there's a lot of work that we have to do that is essentially a version of busy work, right? Yeah. There, there's a, a lot of things that are like those, like keep the lights on kind of content and also a lot of stuff that you can learn from someone else. And so if you have like a large language model and LLM, like the fact that it's seeing some of everything, there are some benefits of that scale because then it's it's not just that they've seen this kind of contract, like, like that they've seen a, a referral agreement being used by a marketing tech company that has this kind of price point product and this kind of system. Well, like, okay, what should be in that? And then, uh, and then you can start determining. Do you want to have non-disclosure as part of that or not? Like, right? But like, you can get a sense of that whole universe of possibilities, and you can keep asking, okay, well, what else should be in there? You know, it's it's kind of funny saying to an engine like ChatGPT, well, what would you include in this? But it will give you input, and then you have your judgment to consider there. I was working on on something like this with someone where they were giving me all this feedback and I was using ChatGPT to incorporate it so quickly that I didn't want to send it to them right away because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to be busted. <laughs> That's funny. In terms of how we work with these systems and work with it, it sounds like the way that you've been using these has been largely as a a kind of guide or an aid, like you say, in that case, you know, you'll, you'll almost like to bounce ideas off as you might do, you know, with a partner in business or something like that. If you, you know, if we had somebody that could glue themselves to us every second of the day, is that how you see the biggest value for this? Like, you know, a little bit about in terms of like to have this discussion around skills and what this means in terms of the work that we actually do and can it be fully automated or, or should we, you know, think about this as, as in unison with us? I think that there are so many ways where it can give you these superpowers and scale what people do, right? Like, so getting to a mission statement for a brand, like that's really tough eh? and probably requires a lot of human interaction and, and thought process to get there. But once you have something like that, then if you say, well, now give me some of the text for a one page piece of sales collateral. Now give me... Based on this, give me a press release based on that. Give, give me the outline for a sales deck. Give me some copy to use for the website. And give me 20 different content ideas for articles that I can post on LinkedIn about this. Now you pick the top three. Okay, now write those out for these 500 to 800 word pieces. So all of a sudden you take what you have and first of all, it would take a lot of time and for for me, like I like writing stuff, but some of the stuff I'm like dreading. Okay. And now I've got good workable drafts, and sometimes they're close to final drafts of work that I just would be putting off forever. And so, so I think like when you know what you want to get out of it and you have some really good inputs, 
then it really does get into that 10x territory, right? It can make you 10 times more productive. It could save you 90% of the time on it. You can deliver way more to clients. You can deliver more and say, you know what, instead of this one version with you, like ideally you want to be transparent, like thanks to working with some of these AI tools, I've got five versions, right? Like, like which, which angle do you want? I'm like, you know what, like I really like this first version, but then I decided to see what it would be like if we had like a much more like casual lay person language in it. Do you like this angle anymore or, or, uh, and, and they could see a near finished version of that. You'd spend so much time trying to craft that from scratch and you wouldn't offer that many options. Now you can. That idea as well, like you say, the options, especially around certain things like tone personality, in some ways it's surprising how good some of the large language models have got in terms of being able to, like like you say, like you could give it the bulk of something, which quite often might be the thing that we stop at and we would say, let's go ahead and take that to market. Meanwhile, you can say, what would that be like if this was more uplifting? But yeah, that, that piece of it where these tools can be almost foster the us to think more in some respects about, you know, things like personality and tone, which, you know, we use in everyday conversation, but sometimes we might somewhat overlook when it comes to marketing. It feels like it has, it brings back some of these or gets us thinking, like you say, you know, you can have four different versions of this now and get somebody to respond to that. Sometimes you can actually have fun with it. These models are a a little bit tougher now because they, they keep kind of up in their standards a little bit. But for instance, when I was going through a job transition, I had to share some language of like, uh, um, what's a good way for me to announce that I'm you know, no longer working with this company? And gave me some ideas. I'm like, now give me some versions of it that would, uh, that just like sound really nasty, right? I, I could make me, make me sound bitter. I'm like, now write a version that would make sure it's just so bad. It would make sure I would never get hired anywhere ever again. And ChatGPT would initially do that for you from any kind of thing that I've done that gets anywhere close to that. It's like, we don't want to do things that would actually put down someone else or make you look bad. We we care about you too much. <laughs> but sometimes it can actually be really cathartic, right? Like, like write me like a, just a really bad breakup letter, right? <laughs> yeah. I do recommend uh, Pi.ai, uh, Pi, if you're like trying to have a little bit more of that human interplay, right? Like it's almost like this this AI therapist just lets you vent a little bit, but but we need some more of that, like just that healthy release too, and have like that full spectrum of emotional tenor. What advice would you have, say, especially for young professionals, those that might be entering the marketplace now in terms of, you know, you talk a lot about how you interact with these tools and, you know, even just hearing you speak, I'm sure that the audience can get an idea for how you might use these systems in ways that they may not have thought of. But in terms of advice that you would have, if you were speaking to your former self, what would you say is something, you know, the opportunities, maybe there could even be gotchas you have to watch out for, but what would you say to young professionals coming into the space and having to make sense of this as well as, you know, the AI, as well as the marketing world? Well, the best advice I can give is that we've never had technology revolution, nothing that I can think of that is this accessible and this interactive and this much you can just do on your own time, right? Like even if like, say like the social media error era that Facebook helped kick off in a big way it was a big deal. Like 
you needed to have friends on there. You needed to post things that other people would see to really get some use out of it. This stuff is like all stuff you could do from the privacy of your own home. You could kick the tires on things. Most of them have free versions. If they don't have a free version or a free trial, then you have like enterprise grade software. And I'm talking about like the mid journeys and open AIs uh, that are like 20 bucks a month, right? So if you then can set aside, you know, your like beer or lunch money fund that's like 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month, if you really want to go crazy and just use this to play around with the same kind of tech that like Procter and Gamble or Price Waterhouse Coopers or like these major firms are using. They're basically using the same stuff that you and I can from home, like test everything, just play around with stuff, find things that uh, maybe you have a family member's business or like just a, a passion project you're working on that you actually like, use this stuff for in some way, or maybe it's just just pure personal and professional curiosity. Whatever areas you're excited about, understanding data, creating verbal, audio, video, uh, visual content, it's kind of limitless what you do with it, right? Like you have a, a favorite platform you want to create something for, you have a certain genre that you try out there for, just like use these things, uh, find some newsletters, listen to more stuff like this. And that if someone like me is like blabbering on for a bit, but we like mentioned something you haven't heard of, Google it, try it and see if it does anything for you. I like that's never been this possible before and this easily accessible. That's a great point that you say that in many cases, it feels like where the competitiveness is in this industry right now is that they're effectively putting out the enterprise versions for consumers to pick up and use at very reasonable rates. So something that, yeah, that's a great point. In terms of the AI Marketers Guild and what you're working on there, what are some of the hopes, aspirations for that guild? What do you think would it looks like, you know, in terms of what would you like to see some of the outcomes and the guild achieve? A big part of it is just how do we have the right people in there just to help make sense of what's going on? And sometimes it's a very practical use case, like someone put something in there in terms of, is there tech out there that can help me detect logos appearing in a streaming video feed? Or consider not hiring this person full-time and actually like using uh, a mix of, of kind of like human editorial work and some tech software to go and achieve something like have you ever seen anyone structure things around that? This news story just came out. Like, does this matter and who does this matter for? And so what's already exciting is that a lot of people across brands and agencies, but also the builders are there talking to each other and educating each other. And so it's just like, how do we have so many of those just subject matter experts, but like it can just be people who've spent a lot of time working with something and doing something right like like for fun i used ai to create an entire book right like i published a book and i published this book on amazon using ai i don't think it's a very good book i don't think uh you know someone in business school should uh, add this to their curriculum or syllabus but i think that i have this experience doing it and i can help educate others on what to do, what not to do uh, about something like this. And to me, that's tremendously exciting. And so we have 
a virtual event every week and, and I've been getting guest speakers on board for this, just like see who are the kinds of people we can learn from. The latest person I just signed up for, and he said he's actually leaving this analytics business he's been working with to become a, a to work full time on business he and his spouse have making chocolate. Okay. And I'm like, so are you using AI for that? And it's like, yeah, I'm like, talk about that on my series, right? Like, let's get in the weeds. How does a chocolate company, let alone like a, you know, a small business, like making stuff in your own kitchen, like this is awesome, right? And I think uh, there are a lot of ways like this that we'll just like have fun learning by doing and, and just meeting some fascinating people out there. And there it is. You heard it here first. If you've got a chocolate making business, then AI can be your friend. Uh, <laughs> to find out how that happens, you need to sign up and join the AI Marketers Guild. And in terms of just to wrap things up, then David, uh, the time's just flown. What would you say? And how can people reach you? Are you accepting invites for the Marketers Guild, AI Marketers Guild? Yeah, I mean, check AIMarketersGuild.com. Uh, you can find a lot of the work we're doing there. I'm Dee Berkowitz on on just about every platform there is. And if there's an, some AI platforms that involve usernames, I'm probably Dee Berkowitz on there too. So uh, you could see uh, I even have been experimenting with platform that's using all of my content and that you can talk to me, just my AI version, and then get to know all the stuff and dive again. So I'm like you know, creating AI versions of myself too. But, but if you say, reach out to me on LinkedIn or through the guild, then you're probably getting the real me, at least for now. Thank you. Wow, it's you and those K-pop stars. How are becoming, I don't know whether you got the real one or not. But no, that's amazing. And thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, like you say, you're running two major networks around the marketing space. You've got a wealth of experience in the space, uh, obviously working and understand a lot about what's happening around marketing as it relates to AI. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. And that's David Berkowitz. You can check him out, as he said, uh, find him, probably him, possibly virtual David Berkowitz, but probably him right now through wherever you pick up your social medias. And thank you for listening. This is Daryl Pereira. This is the Business School podcast where we discuss the emerging trends in business. And this is part of our series around business and AI. Thanks all and tune in for our next episode.